Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, this is the Tennis and Bagels podcast. Uh, Monte Carlo has just finished and here with me today I have the host of a different podcast, uh, the On The Line podcast, also from the On The Line tennis blog. He has written for Popcorn Tennis. He is a tennis stats extraordinaire. It is Jack Edward. Jack, how are you? Thanks. For, yeah, I'm good. Thank, I'm good. Thanks. So. Thanks for introducing me as a stats extraordinaire. That's always a nice little tagline to have on my name. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. It's a uh, tennis season in Scotland. So we start playing um, competitively, which is always good fun. So I, that, that always puts me in a good mood. Otherwise, the tennis has been nice to watch too. So yeah. I've been enjoying myself. Yeah, that's fantastic. It was, um, and yeah, it was a great tournament in Monte Carlo. Um, going in the, um, everyone was hoping to see Djokovic Alcaraz. Both those players went out in the first round and we still got a great week. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, I was thinking we could start with the champion Stefanos Tsitsipas. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, and I, I wanted to talk about him in kind of a few different ways. First of all, he, um, he won this tournament last year as well. And I was kind of curious to see what how you thought his form compared from last year to this year. Good question, I suppose. Yeah, casted my mind back. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember who even played last year. So he played Rublev. That match was, you know, that match was really good. But Rublev looked like the weaker player. I thought his win, yeah, I'd say that then. If I was making a direct comparison to the two best players he played in each year, respectively, I think his win over Zverev was much more confident and well, not much more, but a little bit more competent than the win over Rublev. So I'd say he looked a bit better, I thought. And obviously the Schwartzman win, oh, the the um, the repercussions of that, that's a really big deal. This will come out in the blog and stuff. So I've done a little bit of research on this, fortunately. One. But Sitsipas coming from a breakdown in final sets in general, just one break, doesn't happen often at all. Like a double breakdown? That was unprecedented. He's never he's never come back from that deficit before. That's in the final set. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. And I think I think the timing of it was hugely opportune as well, because he I mean it wasn't necessarily that he hadn't been playing well. Like in um in Miami, I thought he played well against Alcaraz, but lost anyway. But in general, he had had a string of results that were really not great for him. And I think yeah. here um, and he he actually hadn't won a tournament since Monte Carlo last year. Um, and so I think yeah. going into this title defense down a double break against Schwartzman, it was it was. Did he have, did they have um, did they have Leon? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he had Leon. Uh, maybe I'm that, not sure. Uh, but I think um, we don't we, we don't count those uh, ultra tournaments. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd <laughs> seen something, but it, in any event, it had been a while. Um, yeah. And then yeah, and and he pulled it out. It was incredible. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually am remembering a few of the opponents from last year now. So ADF, he, he beat last year obviously as well, but that was a walkover. Then he had Dan, and I think Dan obviously had, he barely won a clay court match prior to actually entering Monte Carlo. So that was a little bit of a fluke, not a fluke run obviously, but he, against Sitsipas, 
established clay court or you know um probably top three in the world yeah it didn't it looked like it was out of sorts and then maybe christian garen as well i think that was a really good win but I, so schwartzman and ruble uh, schwartzman and zverev even those two wins i think were better than garen and rublev for me yeah i i would agree with that um yeah something interesting i thought though was that in the final and i should say i only saw the second set of this i thought for good chunks of the second set he was pretty far from his vest and um and I kind of mean that as a compliment because he won mm-hmm. the set anyway. And I thought Davidovich Fokina hit some fantastic shots. The crowd was behind him. Almost felt like he was redlining at times. Yeah. Um, and Tsitsipas dealt with him anyway. Like his his yeah. base level on clay is so high. Yeah, it was about to say exactly the same thing. I agree. Like he, he was kind of just rolling in that second set, wasn't he? And um, obviously, yeah, there was obviously tense moments. I'm sure he was like 15, 30, 5, 6 or something like that. Um, and he didn't. You know, I, I can't remember if he came out with a stunning shot at that point, but either either way, like I, I'm sure, I think actually that one he did have to force uh, an, an error from media. So yeah, okay, he stepped up his game a little bit for sure. We we don't want to undercredit the guy, but at the same time, yeah, he was he was he looked a bit um, out of sorts for a lot of it. Definitely serving for the match as well. That wasn't it's not really like him, and I, I know again that I had this sort of counterpoint to him not being able to win from a set down he is actually pretty good at closing out matches as well, but he has had a yeah. sort of track record over the last year of a few leads um, that he's kind of blown in the third set. Sorry, I put my phone in silence. Ah, um, uh, but apart from that, um, well, not apart from that, I'm not going to just wash over that actually. That is quite a big deal, I guess. So it was quite nice to to see him after blowing that lead still uh, still close out the match, especially after the Schwartzman match as well, obviously. I mean, um, so yeah, I, I agree he wasn't playing... Um, probably probably playing below average but even then he was still able to overcome a really tense moment I mean so the guy's still a pressure player even when he's playing badly I suppose is what I'm trying to get at you know even yeah. when he's play, playing quite badly he does manage to step it up when he really really needs to so yeah his base level is amazing definitely yeah I think that's a fantastic point and I totally agree about how good he is at closing matches out I remember earlier this year I can't remember what tournament he was playing Jack Sock and it was a really close match, two tie breaks. They split yeah. sets and it went to a deciding tie break. And Sock was up 5-3. And then he kind of made a couple errors. And then it went from being on his racket to being on Foss's racket. And it mm-hmm. it was immediately clear that Foss was not going to make the same mistakes and that he was just going to close it out. And that was what yeah. he did. And it almost felt, it felt so inevitable that I was almost frustrated for Sock, even though I don't yeah. even like the guy. It was just like, that was your chance. And it was so clearly gone. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I was a little surprised that he didn't serve it out either, but as well. But I was impressed that he won it in the tiebreak. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I did have another question. And it and I, I do want to say, first of all, that CC Foss has done some great stuff on hard court, most notably by winning the World Tour finals. He's made a few semis at the Australian Open, a finalist at the Rogers Cup back in 2018. Mm-hmm. But his resume on clay looks much better. And I was yeah. wondering, do you think it's crazy to say? To not call him a clay specialist, but do you think it's crazy to say that he's on the fringe of that, maybe? Yeah, it was the sort of top 10 players. I think the disparity in level between him on clay and him on hard courts is probably the largest, I guess, at the top 10 players. Well, apart from, no, even Rude, actually. I don't know, like, um, probably because Sitsipas is, is quite a bit better than Rude on clay for me nowadays. Um, I, I still think, yeah, that, that gap is probably the largest for, for Sitsipas. So, but I, I, I shy away from calling him a specialist for sure. Like, um, 
yeah, I, I've seen that on, on Twitter, the Australian Open semi-finals run, when people were kind of saying Sitsipas was dead in the water at the start of the year on hard courts. And, you know, he just pulls that out in his sleep. The match against Sinner, that, that's, I think that's the thing that just makes me think, every time I want to call him a clay court specialist, I yeah. think back to that match and I'm like, that is how well that guy can play on, on hard courts. There's absolutely no way we can label him on, on one surface definitely because that that was that level was insane it was like Federer almost at his best yeah it was such a good match I I mean his his forehand was just you know doing all these amazing things and and yeah I think I think his issue on hard court is maybe not necessarily level it's like there are a couple opponents who really screw him um the 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 biggest matchups yeah 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 matchups I agree on definitely because Medvedev's got him covered basically on serve and return um, exactly yeah chances of him beating on a hard I I don't even think he has I might be guessing at that but did it once I think World Tour Finals 2019 but that's the only one oh yeah yeah Mm. yeah that was obviously that was still a good win but yeah like the the advantages that Medvedev has is just are just way too fast for Sitsipas to be beating him on a hard court for sure. Um, so that sort of like amazing sort of counter-punching returner against Zverev should be really good against him on hard courts. It's like it, it kind of almost flips on clay, but I, I feel like Zverev should be the sort of player that, that out, um, plays uh, Sitsipas consistently on a hard court too. Um, but yeah, I think it's more matchup, definitely. Yeah, and I think clay is so great for him because it it almost papers over all his weaknesses. You have the return of serve and clay gives him more time to kind of take those big swings, put weight on his returns instead of having to block them back, um, which is really a struggle for him on hard court. He can't mm-hmm. let him defend more. He's a great defender, especially on the forehand side. Um, and I think it helps his slice as well. Like his slice is usually not a strength, but people were saying yeah. his mm-hmm. slice defense yeah, yeah. is an asset this week. Um, so we're going, yeah, you guys were going crazy over it. Yeah, so I, I agree, definitely. And uh, oh, I've been looking out for the, the technical uh, point on the, the slice, the the Closed stance rather than the open stance and seems to have changed. I don't know if that's an Enquist thing, and he's maybe sort of worked on that with with sets of pass. But way more often, he's got that front leg over um, leading basically on the slice, and you could see it on a few of the uh, slices he played against Zverev. They just like shot off the court and they stayed super low and way, way, way better than some of the slices he was playing last year. So. Maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. Like, I'm not really. I, I don't know. But it definitely looked like technically he's he's changed. He's tweaked it a bit because he still plays the odd open stance slice, and it still looks a bit better. To be fair, but um, maybe it's when he's got less time in the ball. So yeah, I think he's made a change, and it seems to be working for him. Definitely. Yeah, and and this win is going to give him a ton of confidence going forward in the clay season, which leads me to my next question, which is compared to last year, especially like. How do you think he stacks up against the other favorites at Roland Garros? Like, do you think he's third? Do you think Alcaraz is maybe still around there? Like, how do you see him doing at Roland Garros? Is he going to get as close to the title as he did last year? Yeah, definitely top. Well, you know, that's not a hard take, is it? It's definitely top three. But I think um, I don't want to talk about Alcaraz too much yet, obviously. But um, like, he he's definitely up there. I think maybe people saying that he's weak, not weaker on clay, but. Um, I think that's maybe a jump. You know, he, he had one bad match. He definitely had a bad match, say that much, because that that was not clean at all. It almost yeah. looked like uh, amateur level between the two of them because there was some very, very bad stuff going on. I think people underrate the fact that you've got to transition 
you know, to Monte Carlo, and the the contrast is pretty stark. Like, yeah. um, obviously, you know, clay to French Open to to Queens, Wimbledon, whatever. That's the big one that everybody talks about. But hardcourt to clay is massive as well, and Monte Carlo is about as clay as it comes. Uh, your, your your serve is the slowest in Monte Carlo statistically. Um, based on all the other uh, compared to all the other masters and grand slam tournaments like you, you're going to have your serve taken away from you more so there than at any other tournament uh, at the highest level so to, to get thrown in the deep end per se uh, is, is, is pretty difficult to get used to and it's the first time Alcaraz has properly done it so I, I, I think we can let him off definitely uh, he's been playing hardcore tennis for nine months so uh, yeah I, I definitely put Alcaraz right up there as well but yeah sets the pass is looking better than well, he's looking better than anybody at the moment. So yeah, right up there, top three. It would be silly of me to not put Djokovic and Rafa over him. But yeah, I think, yeah, top three for sure. Do you feel the same way, on? Yeah, I do. Um, I do think, though, that I think Roland Garros is going to be tough just because last year, you know, he was one set away from the title. And so I think because of that, anything less than a title this year is kind of a disappointment just because that's the next step for him. He's been as close as you can get without winning it. And I feel like unless Djokovic and Nadal are in the same half again, that's going to be really, really tough. Um, you know, m- maybe he does it. Like maybe he gets Djokovic in a semi. He's pushed him really hard at Roland Garros before. Um, but I think it's, I think it's going to be tough. I, I do think like he's going to be a threat throughout the whole play season. But if you had to ask me, like, will he be a set away from the title again? I would say no. I, I, I think... Do you know what? Actually, I think if he played Djokovic again at the French Open, I'd maybe make him a favourite. I, I think, yeah, I think he's got more consistent ways of winning points compared to last year. Definitely, based on this one tournament, it's all you know. It's not the biggest sample size, but certainly, like he is more determined than ever to get that forehand into play, isn't he? It's almost like, a, you know, he, he would, like, run off the court to get, yeah. the, like, past the doubles alley to get the forehand into play nowadays. Um, he was doing it last year as well, but, it, you know, certainly there was a lot more dedication to it at this tournament. So I, I think it makes him very difficult to break down. I'm trying to even remember what happened last year for him to lose the last three sets. It just happened in a blink of an eye. Um Djokovic just played better, didn't he? To be fair, you do forget that he has that amazing, you know, highest level that you can just tap into. But yeah, at the same time, I don't think Sitsipas will make the mistake of, he did say that, you know, I can't believe, I forgot, not forgot, but he felt like he'd won it after two sets. I think he actually said that. Do you know what he said? Something like, you know, you can't win two sets to win a five-set match. You know, I kind of took my foot off the gas and he admitted that. So yeah. I don't think he'd make the same mistake for sure. Intensity the whole way through and... I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think if he played, he'd be the favorite. I'll stick to that. That's actually a great point because I remember watching the first day of the match they played in Rome. And I remember thinking, it's such a great matchup for Tsitsipas on clay because I remember they were trading forehands and it was all going Tsitsipas's way. And Djokovic eventually came back to win that match, although he had to get out of all kinds of uncomfortable positions. He was down break points all over the place. And then Tsitsipas did have the two-set lead at Roland Garros. So... Yeah, I think. Uh, did he serve for the match in Rome as well? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, at uh, in Rome. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He did. He also um, had a break point to go up a double break in the third set. He was up a break in the second set. Yeah, yeah it was mm-hmm. that was a tough, tough match. But um, but I, I do think it's been long enough that he's probably over the trauma from that clay season now. Um, and, yeah. and that's something I thought should have been talked about more. Is like besides that Monte Carlo win, 
that clay season was brutal because you had a final loss in Barcelona after having championship point. You had yeah. that loss in Rome. You had a loss to Rude in Madrid, which is less important. And then you had a loss in the Roland Garros final from two sets up. Doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but now I think he's probably learned from that. So I would be surprised if he loses in the same way again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and I think people don't really appreciate that because he would have been in pain. Definitely, he would have been in pain for sure. And he's obviously still super young. He's going to win it at some point, I think. Definitely, probably more of a favorite to win it at some point nowadays than say team. Um, yeah. g- give it, given his problems, obviously, but. Yeah, he, he, he's just so solid nowadays. It's really, really difficult to, to break him down. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with I do, all that. I do want to acknowledge how terrible team's luck has been. I mean, from 2016 to 2019, he loses to the eventual Roland Garros champion all four mm-hmm. years. He's supposed to be the next guy. Yeah. And then some injury stuff happens. <laughs> some other players come up. And now it may not happen at all. Um, so, Dominic, if you're listening to this, uh, we're sorry. And we hope you come back. Dominic. At the same time, it's all it's mainly just Rafa, isn't it? Um, no, no bad luck about pacing Rafa, however many times at, at Roland Garros, I suppose. Put it that That's way. true. Although yeah. I don't know, Alcaraz is going to have a decade at Roland Garros without ever having to play him. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we'll see. Rafa yeah. may play till he's there fifty, <laughs> forty-five. Honestly, um, yeah, yeah. So um, to move on to the the runner-up. Uh, in Monte Carlo, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a great tournament. Uh, he beat Djokovic in the first round and then carried the momentum from that, which is really hard to do to sustain mm-hmm. that intensity physically and emotionally after such a huge upset. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't all that far away from winning the second set of the final. I thought, all things considered, he played a great tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he does next. But I was wondering, how sustainable do you think this form is? Do you think it was a purple patch or do you think maybe it was the start of the signs of some really great form to come for the rest of the clay season? Yeah, good question. I actually am leaning more towards it being a purple patch, to be quite honest. And again, it kind of goes into the, the thing I was saying earlier, the sort of theory earlier that, not theory, I've actually, there is actually stats to back it up, but um, Monte Carlo being the biggest tournament with this lowest percentage of service points won basically and obviously everybody knows ADF's biggest weakness is serve I mean some of the serves that he gets away with in Monte Carlo compared to other tournaments are uh, quite frankly you know shocking I mean body serves all over the place like barely any accuracy on them yeah. the first serve at all and um, you got to remember as well like returning is 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 tough to get any penetration through the court in Monte Carlo because the air is so heavy too um basically you know he went into the tournament without not without a serve it's obviously harsh he wins a few free points off it but compared to everybody else everybody else had that taken away from them whereas he was kind of going on what he already had sort of thing and um his you know his, his baseline game is incredible it's so so good you know right up there definitely um and if everybody else you know kind of had that handicap it sounds harsh it does sound harsh obviously no, I, I, I completely I agree with you I think yeah. I, I feel like as a tennis community a lot of the time we shy away from those kinds of takes but yeah. it's not you know it's not the best idea I think I remember after um the world's tour finals in 2020 a lot of people were saying that Medvedev was the best player in the world mm-hmm. and then you know two months later he loses the Australian Open final in straight yeah. sets um so I, I, I think it's always good not to kind of exaggerate what we see um and I, I do agree with you I remember I think there was a set midway through the final where he was winning less than half the points on his first serve. Um, mm-hmm. And that's problematic, you know? Yeah, and, uh, 
100% can't be, uh, you know, yeah. in Madrid, for example, no way he gets away with that, definitely. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and you also just cannot beat a top player in a match with a stat like that. Um, yeah. There's no way. So that I think that definitely has to improve. But I, I agree that his his baselining was phenomenal. Um, one of my favorite things from him was that he was he's willing to hit that backhand down the line, like the risky one that goes parallel yeah, to the line right yeah. into the corner. And he hits it well. Like that is a shot that very few players are even yeah. willing to try. Um, and, and I thought he pulled it off very well. I thought the forehand had good pop. Um, and he was also a really good fighter. Like he got into some bad positions, um, yeah. got the crowd behind him, although that doesn't have much to do with the tennis. But he like he doesn't mm. quit on himself, which is great. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Since I said that, actually, I think he said something along the lines of he didn't expect him to fight when he did fight at yeah. times. Like, um, I don't know if that's also to do with the fact he sometimes looks a bit despondent, to be fair. Like, there are other times where he kind of looks like maybe his body language sags and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's like, you know, he lights yeah. it up. I'm sure that's not on purpose. He's not playing mind games or anything like that. Right. But, yeah, at the same time, he's a bit roller coaster. I would say that, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah what's the other thing I was going to say? Um yeah, who did he play again? In the semi-final, of course, he played Dimitrov. Um, he gets he, he he got out of positions again. This looks like he was kind of thrown in the towel, but that underarm serve—I don't know if you saw that—a break I point. Did, yeah, that was yeah, a huge point. It was massive, a massive point. But he's got a history of doing that, so it's, uh-huh. you know, it wasn't just him uh, throwing in the towel for sure. Yeah. Like he, he did it against Rude, I'm pretty sure last year at the French Open, um, seven-five in the. Fifth set, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, was, fantastic he, match. Yeah, he was up 6-5, break point, and he threw in an underarm serve and, and won the point doing that as well. Uh, I know it's insane. You don't see, you genuinely don't see it from many other players because Kenny also isn't in that position that often. Right. <laughs> <Just to> win. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think even if people say he was throwing in the towel, like it works, so you can't you can't possibly be mad at them. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I did want to say um, Grigor Dimitrov. Um, I. I feel for the guy because, and, and I, I hate to use the word talent because I don't think that's a good way of describing a player, but I think he's so athletic and he is, and he's so flexible and covers the court so well and his shots all fire when he hits them well. And I just think he's underachieved. So like, I think, I think he would have been the underdog against Tsitsipas, but I thought he had a real shot at this tournament. And, you know, several chances to go up a double break against Davidovich Fokina and then just loses like five games in a row. Uh, that can't happen. Yeah, you got to feel like the double break would have sealed it for him, basically, definitely. Um, yeah, I, a few takes I heard throughout the week, which I really liked. Robbie Koenig's take was basically um, Dimitrov Scott. You know, he's one of the waviest players on tour for sure. You know, easy nine and a half out of ten at times when he's playing his best. Yeah. But a lot of the time he's like below five out of ten. And those sort of dips you can't afford at all. Obviously, you know, it goes without saying. But yeah, he's one of the sort of lowest dipping players on the tour. I would say definitely when he when he's playing badly, he's playing badly for sure. Um, the other thing I heard as well was what was it? Um, mine's gone blank now. Can't remember. Um, no worries. Move on. I did want to go back to It'll something back you to said me. about um yeah. I did want to go back to something you said about Davidovich Fokina, where you know sometimes he looks tired or despondent and then he comes up with a great shot. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe one of the most overrated phenomenons in tennis is that when a player looks tired, that means they should play badly. And I think yeah. I mean Djokovic is the king of this. Like how many times yeah. have you seen him mm-hmm. look like oh he's ready God. to drop or puke? 
And then either he starts playing better immediately or he has like 10 minutes of a kind of mm-hmm. wavy patch and then he just comes back eventually. Like, and I think all players do this at some point. Like, you know, Nadal in the Australian Open looked dead in the water in the final. Yeah. And then five and a half hours, he ended up being fine. But I think it's such a tough thing to kind of handle as a player because when your opponent looks like that, I think the instinct is to be like, I've got them. This is going to be easy now. And then when it yeah. gets snatched away from you, it's really <laughs> tough to recover from that. The first thing, because uh, I remembered what it was now, is that Dimitrov has lost nine semifinals in a row. That's now. right. That was the other thing I heard. Um, the mental fatigue throughout the tournament is definitely something that some players handle better than others. And I think to deal with those waves, Dimitrov doesn't do it as well as other tournaments, which may be why we see him capitulate in the latter stages of the tournament. It's not a pressure thing, because the guy doesn't really play nervous shots, I would say. He just looks like he kind of sags a bit, definitely. Um, yeah, so other players do it a lot better than him, for sure. And then your question again was... Or not question, but you, you was, said, It wasn't um, really a question. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. But what was it again? I can't remember. Um, I was just talking about how it's kind of really hard to play an opponent who looks tired. Um, this, because yeah, yeah. it doesn't really correspond to how well they play a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. the thing I was going to say was... Um, I mean, I, I went through years and years of watching Djokovic play Andy. And he oh, would yeah. like... <laughs> play <a> 15 <laughs> Australian <laughs> Open final, anyone? Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I think I uh, secretly hold a Grudge against players who who start to look a bit tired now because I'm like oh they're putting it on for fuck's sake I mean I don't know if I'm allowed to swear sorry yeah like you're just like oh my god like stop it but there's you know legitimately people get tired it's fine I don't know if Djokovic is, is a little bit of gamemanship maybe but generally um, everybody you know it happens you have, you have sags in tournaments and you can still play just as well normally as well there's the phenomenon of people playing a couple of electric shots to sort of spark them up is, is pretty true. Like you, you get the adrenaline pumping and you can definitely play a lot better. It frees you up. And um, so, yeah, there's maybe just looking for that electric shock sometimes when you're tired is, is can be the catalyst for sure. Um, yeah. That happened to ADF a few times. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. you know, for some players, that's the crowd that gets you psyched up for other players. It's like a, some gluten-free uh, food or some fruit that maybe mm-hmm. you brought along as a snack. Uh, joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to see how much a player's energy can fluctuate over the course of a match. And I think especially in best of five, there's room for that to happen. Like you can yeah. go away for a set and still be fine. Definitely. I, I think definitely when, when somebody looks tired, the other player can sometimes, uh, this is why it happens as well. For sure. This happens to some players can start playing a little bit more passively because they're expecting the unforced error from their opponent. You give them the chance to play a massive shot. And that's, you know, that's what a lot of sort of top players learn over the course of the career you've got to keep the intensity up the whole time because as soon as you sort of let a player hit a couple of massive shots that can be that can make the difference basically in the momentum completely so yeah yeah and, and also it is it's even it's an even bigger factor in Monte Carlo I, again I think I heard Robbie Koenig sort of use this term sort of saying Monte Carlo is has been the sort of most um, like momentum has been one of the biggest factors at Monte Carlo compared to other big tournaments throughout the year. And it's because again, because the serves kind of not as big a factor, you need to win from the baseline. Like uh, whoever's playing the more aggressive shots more consistently is going to be the winner. And that's, yeah, that's my point basically. Like momentum is a massive, massive factor at Monte Carlo, maybe compared to other tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of why I, I love this tournament. Not, 
Not that, you know, saving a breakpoint with an ace isn't earning it. It absolutely is. But I think there's something really appealing to watch where, you know, you can be getting your butt handed to you and you can be down a virtual match point and you might have to dig that out with a 20 shot rally. Like there might be no way around that. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It doesn't happen every tournament, does it? No, so no, not at all. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since, since we, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. No, no, I was just okay, waiting for you. Um, yeah, since we mentioned Djokovic a couple times, um, w- what are your thoughts on him going forward? I mean, I think historically he hasn't had that much success at Monte Carlo. He's won it twice, but not for a while. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of shown that he finds his form by Rome and then he's fine at Roland Garros. So yeah. do you think uh, Do you think there's anything to read into from this loss at all? Or? No, definitely not. I, I am pretty much what you said there. I'm pretty sure over the last six years, I had it written down somewhere, I can't see it, he's won seven matches to six losses, I think, at Monte Carlo. I mean, that is that is phenomenally bad for Djokovic, obviously, <laughs> like unheard of almost. Um, so, yeah, he really doesn't... I, again, it could be the transition um, from... from uh, hard court to clay in this case obviously just you know hitting the ground running on uh, 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 tennis in general I guess or playing tennis in general but certainly um, I heard Matt Willis's take was, was really good on it he said that the forehand after the serve was completely sort of non-offensive in his match against ADF and that does take a little bit of, of work to get going because generally Djokovic is, is a pretty quick server you know at the start of the season you know it doesn't take long for that serve to get revved up definitely yeah. he doesn't seem to be that cold on the serve but again with the serve going plus one you need an offensive forehand from the, the get-go in play I think that it did look like that's what was missing definitely and there was rallies that were going on way longer than they should have and obviously um, against ADF who's going to make that even worse a quick mover in the court um, it was just a pretty terrible first match of the season for him definitely yeah um, I actually remember that was a bit of a problem for him early in the clay season last year as well, like against Evans. And I think I think his next tournament, I don't remember who he lost to, maybe even against Karatsev. Um, like his people were saying his forehand just wasn't enough to get it done on clay anymore uh, because he wasn't yeah. willing to grind, but then, you know, did well in Rome. And at Roland Garros, he hit his forehand as well as he ever has on clay. Yeah, so yeah. A hundred percent, exactly. It, it does just take a while, and even Rome, he, yeah, his forehand was amazing. Actually, like yeah. I, I thought it was really good. But obviously, Roland Garros, he took it to to the eighth degree, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. So yeah, yeah. totally agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, nothing, I, nothing to worry about, Djokovic fans. Definitely. I, I think I think the one thing I would not not flag, but maybe make a note of, is that he said he didn't have enough in the tank physically. And I think <laughs> um I think he said that you know he had been feeling sick. I think even Yuzovic said something about him you know, being a bit ill or something. But I would just say, like, if that keeps up, that could be an issue just because you need gas um, to win on clay, especially at yeah. Roland Garros. So I would just say, like, the next time he plays, I'm going to be focusing on how he is physically as much as how well he hits his shots. Yeah, for sure. Is he um, is he playing in Belgrade this week? Yes, uh, I think so. Um, I can, it, I can well, be, it's basically the Djokovic tournament, isn't it? The Djokovic Open, even. Um, <laughs> uh, both of them. Uh, you'll probably be playing the second one as well whenever that is in August or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, like, this will be quite a good judge. I don't actually know. Do you know who he's playing, maybe? That would be quite interesting. Let's see. Um, he's, uh, he's got a bye to the round of 16, so we don't know yet. Um, right. But but, but I, um, I actually think I think this could be quite good for him. I think the field is very decent. You know, team is there. Katsmanovic is there, who 
absolutely dismantled Gasquet today um, and has been playing fantastic for a while now. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see a match between those two. Definitely, yeah. Uh, he would be playing Laszlo Gere probably in his um, second round. The wild card that Gere is against, don't know him, to be fair. He might be quite good, but he's probably not ranked within the top 300 in the world. So, um, yeah, it's probably Gere. That's quite a tough tough round. Obviously, he's a lot better in clay courts than, than hard courts, but... To be honest, actually, that's that's way way better than ADF on on, on clay to yeah. be playing as your first round. I think that would be not cushy, but if he loses to Gera, I would say there's definitely worries. Yeah, I think. I mean, I feel like just number of matches is probably more of a concern than for him at this point. Like he's going to want to win, not necessarily for the points or to show that he's playing well, but just to get that experience. He's played five matches on the year, right, or four. He's mm-hmm. two and two. Um, like that's that's not a base. He's and and if he loses early again, time could be running out before Roland yeah. Garros. Is that I don't I think Djokovic hadn't even played before Monte Carlo. Maybe pretty sure. Oh, he could played uh, Dubai. Um, lost did to uh, yeah, lost to um, Vesely in the third round. Oh yeah, yeah. So he did. So he did. Yeah, totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, just to say the obvious, like the tour is better when he's playing actively. Like it's yeah. come on, man. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had years and years to to be anti Djokovic, but I mean, the guy's game is absolutely playing Andy. Sorry, I should establish that. Um, but the guy's game is just irresistible to me. I, I absolutely love it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I think even in 2017, when it was like the Fidal Renaissance and everyone was losing their minds because those two have so many fans. Like I think even then, Djokovic's absence was very pronounced. Um, yeah, like he he's really needed to kind of round out those top guys. Um, I mean, he is the top guy. So, so yeah, yeah here, here's hoping he gets some matches soon. Um, yeah. Thinking, fingers crossed. Another match in uh, Belgrade. I definitely want to see as a team in Millman. Uh, Cause I think team is going to have to hit mm. a lot of shots. That's tomorrow morning. So I'm definitely going to try to catch that. I think, uh, well, based on teams last match, he should lose that really. I think so. Uh, too. Yeah. yeah. If he gets through, do you know who he's against in his first round? I don't. Um, I feel like if he gets through that, that would already make the tournament a success, though. Um, yeah, just because his his one loss was pretty flat, even though that's to be expected. First time to come back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've well, not a question, but I, I just thought it would be interesting if you wanted to talk about um, FEA. I, I, you might yeah. not even remember because he went he went out quite early in the, the tournament. He went out in the first round, sorry, but it was quite a I don't, I don't know. I don't even think people noticed he lost, really. He lost to... Musetti, I, I think. Right? Yeah, he lost to Musetti, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, obviously, Musetti, it's not really a worrying loss, per se. But uh, FA has lost, like, I think, five of his last six matches or something like that. Yeah. And this is all sort of going off the, the back of the, the Rotterdam title. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't... That, that, that's the record since then, I'm pretty sure. Is that a worry, or oh no? We reached the final of um, Marseille, of course, um, but apart from that, it's been a pretty big dip. I'm hearing people saying we we shouldn't really be worried, but I don't know. It's kind of turning I, into something. I, I think I, I disagree with that. I think it absolutely yeah. is something. I think he. So so if we look at his results, you know Miami. Um, well, it looks like he played in something called the Grand Prix Hassan Two, where he lost in the oh, second yeah. round to Molka. Morocco. Um, yeah, Marrakesh even. Yeah, and then um, 
you know, Miami first round loss to Ketsmanovic. I think honestly, we can discount that just because Ketsmanovic was so red hot. But yeah. Indian Wells first round loss to Vandezanslup, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's great, especially because like ATP Cup, he was fantastic. Australian Open, he was fantastic. Rotterdam, he finally got the monkey off his back with that title. He destroyed Tsitsipas, beat Rublev from a set down. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is three big tournaments in a row now. That's that's definitely a problem. I hope he gets it back. Yeah, and uh, Clay as well. I mean, I don't think he's ever had success in Clay. I could be wrong no. about that, but um, he's definitely way more of a hard court than he's a Clay quarter. I guess Missetti looked lost, to be honest. Like he's been used to smacking in serves and hitting massive forehands, like inside in, basically all of the hard court season, and like, all of a sudden. I barely used that play, honestly. Like, they were kind of just spraying. I think he was trying to get it into the, the corners, like, way, way deeper than he needed to and stuff. He looked confused, definitely. And Musetti made him look kind of, honestly, like, sort of top 100 rather than top 10. So Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. And, you know, Musetti is a great clay quarter, but I think I feel like the game plan against him should be fairly simple, you know, just try to pummel that backhand, you know, use the inside-out mm-hmm. forehand attack. Um but yeah, if I'm kind of worried for Oje Aliasim on clay, if he isn't really, if he doesn't have the patience to do that, or if he isn't willing to do that, um, clay is a service you would like to be able to be decent on, you know? Um, I mean, that was a big thing for Medvedev for a while, and then he kind of stopped that with the run to the quarterfinals at Roland Garros last year. Yeah, I just think as, as a top 10 player, you want to be at least competent on clay. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty massive chunk of the uh, the season, I think about 30% or so. So yeah. uh, you don't really need to, you can just disc out grass, have a little break or something before uh, Washington or whatever comes up the city open. Uh, but Clay, you can't really afford to do that. But I'm not sure Federer, obviously. Right. Uh, or, or Andy, like uh, yeah. all the big guys are doing it nowadays, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I think most of the top players could honestly skip the grass season at this point because their odds of winning mm-hmm. it are so low. Like if you, if you look at Tsitsipas, it's early. I cannot see him ever winning Wimbledon. I just, no, no, I no. just don't see it happening. I think Jose Aliasim could win Wimbledon, but I don't really see him winning Roland Garros unless something massive changes. And it's funny mm-hmm. because for most top players, it's the other way around. But for Jose Aliasim, it's like, yeah, I think things could happen on grass, but not clay. Mm-hmm. Definitely for Sitsipas, definitely the return is just way too much of a. Uh, deficit of this, but that's kind of it to be honest. The rest of his game is pretty good. I, I heard Greg Rizetsky say something about um, a lack of serve variety, but I don't know. I think it's the return for me that's the, the biggest. I, yeah, Greg says, Yeah, that's and... that's bizarre. I mean, his second serve is one of the best, and he he hits aces, he's got all the serves. Like, um... yeah, yeah, I think to be fair, he he and this happened a lot in Monte Carlo. Um, he does benefit from being able to use a lot of variety on clay. Uh, way more than other surface of any other surface obviously like the kicker out wide basically guarantees him a forehand on second serve as well it's like that's a massive massive benefit for him kind of underrated to be honest um but then yeah he's he's got i don't know he he has got other weapons that could be effective on grass i think that's just the only thing holding him back yeah yeah i mean he volleys more effectively than most of the top players um Mm -hmm. i mean his slice isn't great, but he does have a slice, which people seem to love. Um, and yeah. the serve and the forehand are fantastic. So yeah, but you know that that return. I mean, again, he's young, but I don't think it's improved that much in the last year or two. Um, so I'm not sure how much it's going to improve going forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree definitely. Um, I have another 
player to talk about, maybe if you if yeah. you were up for it. Absolutely. I'd just be interested to hear what you think of uh, Sinner. Sinner, I was impressed with him. I I was mm-hmm. bummed that he didn't beat Zverev, but I liked. I thought he competed well, yeah. and I, I I like what I've seen from him this year. Um, I yeah. think the Australian Open loss to Tsitsipas shook him quite a bit. I think that yeah, yeah, was yeah. tough to take. I mean, I think he. Did he like fire his whole team after that? He, yeah, I suppose he did actually. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Th- th- that I think was probably an overreaction, but I think it's got to be tough when you I'm essentially <laughs> when you lose handily to a significantly better player, and it's just shoved yeah. in your face like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought he had a, a pretty good sun- sunshine double, um, mm-hmm. and I yeah, I think. I think clay might be his best surface, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I had a, a take on it, basically, which is what I was, I was going to say. I, I think he totally goes under the radar on clay because he's had such tough opponents. Um, yeah. Basically, the last season, the well, last season, definitely, I'm sure it was Djokovic and Monte Carlo in the first round. And that was just like a... He learned stuff from that match, definitely, that he wouldn't have learned from other players, like how basically the defensive qualities of a really good player. He had no idea somebody could be that good. Right. And I'm sure it was Rafa in like the first couple of rounds in Barcelona and I'm pretty sure Rome. I might be Rome, Rome and, and Roland Garros in the, the quarters, I think. Um, was it? Was it the French Open this year as well? Yeah, that, that, that was not a good match. He, he went up a break in the first set and then basically collapsed for the rest of the match. Um, but yeah. he did make the quarters, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. and but that's that's what I mean. I think he's got a lot more potential than, than uh, we've seen of him definitely. And uh, like against Ferev, he had a massive, massive chance and fair play to Zverev. He did actually play well in that tiebreak, yep. uh, unfortunately. But um, he, I mean, center center had chances definitely. He had a forehand inside out, missed that, and that was kind of that. That was five a, Yeah, yeah, that was that was the moment for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'd like I'd like to kind of get your take on center just in general because I find him. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A very hard player to read. I, I saw on Twitter a while ago, and I can't really remember who said it, but they said that for most players, there's something they can use in their head to kind of define that player. You know, like Nadal might be his top spin. Djokovic could be his returning. Uh, Alcaraz might be the forehand or the speed. And Sinner, I think, is just kind of hard to get a read on. And I'm not sure yeah, if his yeah. personality plays into that. Like, I know he hits the ball cleanly and he does everything pretty well. But I, I'm still not exactly sure how good he is, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't totally. know if he if he's had a signature match yet. I've got two sort of defining characteristics for him. Uh, huge on both sides is one mm-hmm. of them. Like he hits the backhand bigger. You might have seen that stat. Like he hits the backhand 
bigger than I think maybe only Basil Ashville hits it bigger. Um, he's sort of second on tour and certainly the most spin on tour on the backhand. So he's able to come up with angles, massive shots you wouldn't expect really from anybody else. And the forehand's massive as well. You know, there's players with as big a forehand as him, but uh, you know, the, the two player the two sides are, are almost um, of, of a similar quality, definitely. The other thing that statistically he's got over other players is that he's amazing on break points. He is he's the he is the pressure player of the the next gen for me at the moment. He plays so much better than anybody else on break points. This isn't conjecture. This is statistical. He you know like you watch his matches like he plays those points pretty much exactly the same as any other point. Um, I, I'm sure it's the the ethos as well has been drilled into him by Carlos Ferreira took this to Carlos Alcaraz you know the importance of making a first serve and break point even if it's not a, an amazing first serve Sinner makes first serves on break points in his sleep um, he, he just looks he looks like he's unflappable definitely um, I, I think that those are the two things for me that sort of set him apart from other players definitely yeah and and those are those are great observations um, I was wondering and it's really early to say but what do you think his ceiling is? Like, how far do you think he can go? Um, is he a multi-major winner? Is he a single-major winner? How soon can this happen? Uh, yeah, it's tough at the moment. You know, he's, he's got loads of stuff he can improve, definitely. Um, serve could definitely get better. Um, still a few placement issues, but he's getting a lot better at that, definitely. Um, maybe the odds are wrong shot as well this is all stuff that he can carry out though definitely he's, you know I think he's I genuinely think he's got the potential to be multi-major um, but you know there hasn't even been a multi-major winner besides those four players and Stan obviously yeah. um, for the last like 20, since, 30 since years or 20 years even like, yeah yeah something like 15 geez. years I guess um, so you know those sort of statements are, are we'll say a slam winner definitely um, I, I think that's that's not that crazy a take, is it? I think he still he has still got further he can go, definitely. Quite a bit further he can go. So I I think, yeah, I don't think that's too crazy a take for sure. Um to say that he's gonna win a slam. Uh, a lot of people saying as well, I saw this, I, I find it interesting that people have this take, and I wonder if you agree with it, that um because Alcaraz was so successful, this is just something they say in the fucking um you know break room with uh Rizetsky and uh sure. <laughs> to be fair, but nonetheless. Because Alcaraz was so successful, it spurred on Sinner's success in Monte Carlo. I don't know. I mean, I think that would be no more the case for Sinner than it would be for any of the other young guys. Like you see someone yeah. who's threatening to leapfrog you, and you makes you want to get better as well. I mean, I, and, and there are a lot of comparisons <laughs> between the two, but I mean, they're both young. They both hit the ball hard, and they both have two-handed yeah. backhands. I think that's kind of it. Yeah. So I just think it's silly. I also think, um, I, I mean, I, these are professional tennis players that have these takes obviously um, so I do find it I think honestly I think they, they, they know it's bullshit but tennis players are so insular like I don't yeah. I don't think they ever look at what's going on with another player they just think who's the opponent across the net this is who I'm playing okay they don't even look further than the draw it's like today I'm playing this player it's, it, they really kind of keep their heads down and get on with what they've got to do because that's that's the easiest you know that is a benefit to you mentally that will give you an advantage in your match if you're not looking yes. at what's going on with other players yeah so. and and i think we as fans and sometimes this is even true tactically i think we pay attention to the little stuff much more than players like i think these yeah. these debates we have on twitter with like this stat and that stat and like this tactic and that tactic if you showed that to a player i think they might say like i don't think about that ever like yeah, what yeah. i'm it's more <laughs> about just trying to play my game and all of that 
And I think sometimes that hurts them, but I think that helps them stay steady mentally. Yeah, yeah. well, there's some players that definitely um, do that over other players. I'm sure Tim Henman had said, what used the phrase helicopter player once, so like players who play outside of themselves and watch the match basically, you know, try and figure stuff out. There's way, you know, there's there's players that do that way better than other players. Like Andy, obviously, is one of the best at it for sure. And then you've got somebody like... Actually, Raf is quite good at it, to be fair. Um, I, was, I was trying to think of somebody who asserts their game and just does that, basically, and doesn't think about anything else. Just like, can I hit a serve plus a forehand? Maybe sets a pass. I don't know, actually. Um, he can be a bit insular sometimes. Um, I, but anyway. I, would say, uh, I would say Shapovalov <laughs> is one of the Yeah, most, yeah, sh- like, yeah, definitely. I think, mm-hmm. I think his mission is to bash the ball, and uh, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go much farther than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree, definitely. Um, sometimes I feel like there's a bit of clarity on court. I'm sure there was a few serving balls during the EO when um, he was playing Rafa and he was down those two sets and he did actually, he played really well. But then other yeah, times... That was incredible. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a really good match, exactly. And it's kind of a match that got away from him. But exactly, then we had that fifth set where he, I mean, he barely, he had one return game he played terribly. It was four missed, uh, four, uh, sorry, one service game he played terribly. And it was literally just like four unforced errors off his, his forehand. And it's like, you didn't yeah. need to go that crazy to beat Rafa. He was, Rafa was waning. He did not play anywhere near his best. He won way less points than uh, Chapel. Not way less, sorry, but a few less yeah. points in the fifth set. It's like That was that was a brutal match to watch because I remember in the first two sets, Chapo did not have a game plan at all. He was hitting to Nadal's forehand without fear, but also without pace. And so he got uh-huh. destroyed. And then he came back and I was like, okay, this is good. And then it was all for nothing in the end. And then yeah. the presser after just made it so much worse. I mean, the level is not his problem. I think he's got deeper mental struggles and deeper inconsistencies than most of the other top players. Definitely. Yeah. That was such a, honestly, it was such a shame because he only, honestly looked shocked he'd lost the match. Kind of like sits a pass losing to Djokovic last year at the French Open. It was like, I don't even know what happened in that fifth set. Like, I was playing yeah. better than that guy. I don't know what the hell what, yeah. what happened um, to me. And, and I think, <laughs> honestly, that's a really dangerous way of thinking. Like, I think that's when you have to look at the analytics. I mean, I remember way back in 2013, there was a match at the Australian Open between Federer and Songa. And mm-hmm. Federer won in five. But it was one of those matches where Songa kind of played better throughout and maybe should have won. And after the match, he said, like, I, I don't even know what the difference is between me and the top four. Maybe they're just more talented. And it's like, no, no, that's not your problem. You need to, like, <laughs> you need to be focused in the fifth sets. Um, that's your problem. Yeah. Um, but he didn't know that. And it's like, maybe if he had, things things would have been different. Um, and, and these guys are young, but I think mm-hmm. it's never too early to learn these lessons. I just realized obviously we were having this conversation off the back of us talking about Sinner, I'm pretty sure. I think Sinner is quite an insular player and Alcaraz is maybe not so insular. To me, he's more of a player that reacts to how stuff is going and that will benefit him for sure because he is an aggra- he's as, gra- as aggressive as they come, obviously, but yeah. he definitely plays points differently, probably because of the amount of variety he's got in his game, um, depending on the situation. And that's probably going to be maybe the difference between the two of them and probably why I think Alcaraz is, and probably everybody thinks Alcaraz has got a higher ceiling than Sinner. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's so absurdly versatile that if something isn't working, it's not an issue for him at all. Whereas I think... Mm-hmm. It, for most players, if the serve and forehand is not getting it done, it's kind of panic or they go to a plan B. I mean, if you compare uh-huh. Alcaraz to Rublev, for example, that is night and day. Um, yeah, yeah. 
and yeah, I mean, player. that is that is the insular player. That's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah fair point. for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, I was gonna say Alcaraz. Um, to be fair, in Monte Carlo this week did look a little bit frazzled, and mm-hmm. um, maybe you know that old adage of having t- too many choices, um, maybe looking like it, it sort of sort of bit him a little bit, but. Yeah, I, to be fair, when when his forehand's not working, and that is what wasn't really working, he he did he did look a bit vulnerable. To be fair, so maybe maybe we'll see a bit more weakness from over the coming months. We'll see. Yeah, I think um, I I said this on Twitter, and I think either I didn't phrase it right or I exaggerated. But I think I think at this point in his career, right now, I think his ceiling is probably a bit higher on a hard court, just because with his serve he can get a little bit more out of it on hard and on clay. There are going to be certain opponents who can make every service game. Hell. Um, like I think if he plays Djokovic and Djokovic is playing well, I don't see how Alcaraz is going to hold serve with any kind of reliability. Um, and I think that'd be a little more possible on hard court. So I feel like yeah. until that gets better, clay could be a struggle against the very best. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually interesting because in Miami, he, he does, he doesn't have, a massive serve. He has a pretty good serve, but he doesn't have a serve that he places amazingly, like sets past Medvedev or anything like that. Um, but he basically never ever gave up an offensive position in any of his service games in throughout Miami. He, you know, like he was always on the front foot. Whether it took him five shots, nine shots, whatever, he eventually found a way to to, to win the point and never looked like his opponent was comfortable just by virtue of blasting in a 120 mile an hour serve down the middle yeah. of the, the service box basically so he, yeah I get that I totally get that one but I also thought maybe just not having a serve would be a bit of a leveler for Alcaraz compared to other players but then he just he just didn't hit the ground running this week so yeah I, I, I still think you know he will have a chance to to get away with not having uh, the best serve in the world uh, that might benefit him more so in a place like Rome for example maybe not Madrid but I think, yeah, I think we could see him playing really well in, at the Rome Masters. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and the serve isn't going to hurt him ever, everywhere. I remember um, against Berrettini at the Australian Open, after the second set, I think he only faced one break point, um, even though he lost mm-hmm. that match. But yeah, I think, I mean, it, if that gets better, like, um, it, and I should say, I think Corda is a, a very tough first rounder. Um, I think he would have beaten most players, but you know, Corda, easy power, good returner. You can't really, you can't really fake your way through that match, I guess, especially if you're not playing well. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, I am, I like, I, I definitely give Alcaraz a pass on this. I'm excited to see what he does next. I actually, I, again, I think it depends who he plays. I actually think him, if he had a better serving and somebody like sets the pass, it wouldn't make much of a difference compared to how he yeah. plays against him now, for example, on a hard court. Um, I, I think against the the best returners in the world, definitely Djokovic or even Medvedev, there there might be a, a, a different scenario. I actually think Djokovic is a worse matchup for him than, than Medvedev. So I'm, I'm really, I was really excited to see that. Obviously, it didn't happen, RIP. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we get that matchup. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm praying for it. I, I think even against Nadal, he needs a bit of a bigger serve because I remember in that first set again in Indian Wells, mm-hmm. Alcaraz was saving all these break points. Like Nadal was like three for 15 by the end of the first set. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was wild how many he was saving, but I was thinking even during it, I was like, this, this does, it does not matter how many you save if 
you face 15 breakpoints in one set. And he did start playing better towards the end, especially on serve. Um, but like, that's something you want to take care of. You have to be able to get those easy service holds. Yeah, definitely. But then I, I still I still stand by that. Like the guy doesn't look like he really, in Miami, barely missed a shot. Like if he had time on the ball, he, he didn't, he barely ever missed it. So it didn't yeah. even really matter that he wasn't putting this error away from his opponents. He honestly was just on the front foot the whole time. Like, and that's why he didn't get broken that much. I mean, he barely got broken in Miami. I'm yeah. sure like against the three top 10 players he played, but Rude maybe broke him twice, twice. I think. Yeah, yeah. and then catch Once or twice? Literally twice. Yeah, twice. Over the course of like, you know, however many games, I think 15 service games. And then Harkat zero times. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then sets the pass once, once as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it gives you a pretty good idea. Like against three top teners, he's barely getting broken. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean his peak level is so high as well. But like when he put things together, he would go on runs of like four or five, six games against anyone. And um, and I actually thought the same thing when CT Pass was playing Schwartzman. I actually wasn't watching this match, but I remember I pulled over, I opened Twitter, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like from six three five two to this, like what's happening? And I saw mm-hmm. he was down four zero in the third set. And I looked at that and I thought, and, you know, I think maybe for me, the stakes were lower because it wasn't in front of me, but I looked at that and I was like, if he starts playing well, he can still win this, especially against Schwartzman. I think Tsitsipas on clay, I, I wouldn't put it past him to win six games in a row. Um, and, you know, not saying I would have bet money on it, but yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where at his best or near his best, he's so good that he can just roll through people. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time he played a pretty I'm sure it was like 40-30 for love the point yeah. he won there was like a backhand down the middle approach so okay that point aside that point looked a little bit like that point looked a little bit like ADF throwing in the towel with the under observe <laughs> sort of point that point aside it's like he totally stepped up and he got away yeah. with that point and then he played amazingly the diving volley I'm still not over that was Absolutely. wonderful yeah I'm oh still not over like, it was amazing it was so good like, when I, when Schwartzman hit that pass it's like that's that's a break point and that's a that's coming and um yeah, yeah that was I mean that was ridiculous and during a week where we saw a lot of diving volleys um that he was able to control that while airborne uh, is amazing I know it was incredible, and um, so yeah. I mean, who who have you? Who's your pick for the upcoming tournaments? I think the biggest one, obviously, coming up is Madrid. I guess Barcelona is pretty big as well, but yeah, Madrid. Madrid's obviously an outlier on clay, you know, yeah. the high altitude, big serves actually make a big difference. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Well, I think even with it playing the least like Roland Garros, I think that answer depends a little bit on where Nadal is at this point. I think. Some are saying he'll be back by then. Others are saying he won't. Um, mm-hmm. That's a tough question. New, new Nadal should be better at Madrid than old Nadal, to be honest. But he, yeah, for sure. Um, he's, he's still 2019, just, he lost to Tsitsipas Pass there. Yeah, so he did. Yeah, yeah. What last year he lost his Verev, I think. Um, so I mean, yeah. he still still loses to the best guys in the world, to be fair, at, right. at the tournament. But yeah, they probably do have an advantage over him. A big serve. I mean, Zverev looked unbreakable last year to be honest yeah um, that's true and and Berrettini made that final as well right um yeah he, did. he, yeah, he yeah. also got a lot of mileage out of a surf you know mm-hmm. I'll well I don't think Djokovic is going to be ready um even yeah. though he usually does pretty well in Madrid I think mm-hmm. I don't see Tsitsipas winning a second straight Masters 1000 I don't think team is going to be ready 
Maybe the pair. Well, go on. Yeah, go on. I'm, I'm going I'm to say Alcaraz wins. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, the perfect marriage between clay and hardcore. Maybe yeah. actually by then, but Alcaraz, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Definitely. Um, I don't I don't know. Well, you'll do well. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. I think maybe he's my favourite, um, depending on how... I don't want to say like Zverev actually. Right. Um, I, I I was thinking he would he would have a decent shot. I mean I I do think like the the good news is like he's still not one of the very best. Like his his best level on most clay courts is still below that of you know yeah Jordan, Nadal, except maybe at Madrid that's maybe not as as much. The case. Uh, yeah, um, it's de- definitely not. He actually he looked a way better player than Rafa last year. Definitely. He yeah, was, that was that was a weird match. That was um, yeah, but yeah, he's he's a contender. As unfortunate as that is to say, I I think Sinner could do some good things in Madrid as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good point. I'd forgotten about that actually. Um, hopefully, yeah, I want to see Sinner break out properly soon he has yeah. kind of broken out but you know what i mean right. big title for him definitely in the same manner as alcaraz yeah that would be good maybe rude as well um yeah he could he could be a contender but besides the people we've named i don't think anyone has a shot to be honest yeah fair enough yeah um maybe medvedev will surprise us who knows oh, is he even coming back from madrid i thought he pulled out of everything ahead of roland garros did he actually? Are you I sure? Think, I think he did, yeah. Or maybe oh, right. it was Berrettini. Um, he's he's yeah, pulled yeah, out yeah. of a lot of stuff, though. He's been injured, so it, it could be Berrettini. Not sure. Um, yeah, I want I want Medvedev to win. That's that's my my heart talking definitely. Medvedev is a Masters 1000 champion on clay. That would be yeah, yeah. That would be something <laughs> if he if he gets there before Dominic team. Something is fundamentally off. With the universe. <laughs> Yeah, very good point. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I I will say I I really want Medvedev to like play Tsitsipas again at Roland Garros because that was a very fun match last year. Yeah, it was. Um, Tsitsipas was always winning it um, yeah. from how it panned out, but yeah, I mean Medvedev made it entertaining, definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, and and that underarm serve haunts my haunts my dreams each and every night. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's just very yeah. It's very. I, I was writing a live blog of that match, and I remember he was up 40 love in that last game. And so I was like, okay, 40 15. And then I think it went to Deuce and TT Boss hit a winner. And I was like, okay, like, you know, danger time. And then he hit the underarm serve, and I just sat there for five minutes trying to think of what to write. <laughs> it's like no spin, no angle, and he charged the net behind it. Like, what are you doing? I mean, this still this still annoys me, and it's been almost a year. Um, but in, in general, it was a fun match. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as a Medvedev fan, it's, it's pretty heartbreaking to see him do that, but pretty perplexing. But I suppose that's part and parcel of the guy. I love it at the same time. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's a he's a package. So yeah, yeah. I guess um, yeah. I, so I, I guess to kind of wrap up, what were you most surprised by uh, in Monte Carlo, and did you see anything that would maybe maybe has the potential to alter what we think is going to happen this clay season? Mm, I, I mean, honestly, in hindsight, ADF getting to the final. If there was a tournament I would have picked him to do well at, it would have been this one. And we all knew he was a good player. Um, he just had a big weakness. Probably Alcaraz losing in the, the second round, actually. That was definitely the, the biggest um, surprise for me. I mean, 
he just played a shit match. I think everybody forgot he was a human, which was <laughs> n- nice for the tour to 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 know right. as well. Um, so yeah, probably that, and it was quite disappointing. Obviously, um, everybody's an Alcaraz fan nowadays, aren't they? So oh yeah, like, everybody wanted to see him do well. So yeah, I mean, I I can't I can't hide it. I want to watch him every time he plays. Mm-hmm. Such a dynamic player. Um, yeah, yeah, I I do think that seems like a bigger upset than the Djokovic match as crazy as that is to say. Um, yeah, I agree. Just because Alcaraz is on that amazing run of form. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, like being reminded that he's human, that could yeah. potentially change things because after Miami, that was that little part of me that was like, who's going to beat him? Like, what's it going to take? And then exactly. immediately you have the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that kind of uh, makes things settle back to the mean a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and I, I agree with you on Fokina. I, I didn't even see him be- beating Djokovic, to be honest. Like yeah. in the first round, everyone was saying, um, oh, it's such a tough draw. And I was still kind of thinking like, it's Djokovic. It doesn't matter who he gets in the first round. Like this is going to be three and four. Uh, and it was yeah. most definitely not. So I'll, I'll credit to him for that. Um, yeah, I think, I, and, and I, I guess to be honest, I wasn't really expecting TT Pass to win the tournament, even though mm-hmm. he was the favorite after those early upsets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wasn't convinced by how he had been playing recently, so I'm yeah. I'm very impressed that he was able to turn it around. I I uh, I mean I don't normally get those sort of things right, so I might as well big myself up when I do yeah. get it right. But um, yeah, I just I I I knew he was a much much better player on, on clay, which I I, yeah, I said that at the start of the the pod. Biggest disparity probably between the two surfaces for me. Mm-hmm. He just he, he's so much more comfortable in there, and he wasn't playing terribly in hard courts for me. Obviously, he had a little spell of maybe. I was saying that you know it didn't last that long. He was amazing in Australia, like so good. So yep. he was obviously capable of tapping into that he'd done so well last year with a really really tidy sort of I mean he didn't drop a set last year Uh, he had that one tough match this year and all the other matches were in straight sets he just looked like he was rolling with this base level it was so difficult to beat Um, so yeah didn't surprise me really Um, they they won the tournament definitely yeah Um, so who do you think is going to break his his clay winning streak Um, if it gets broken at all Uh, I guess I should acknowledge that possibility. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see how Novak does. If we're basing it on current form, Sinner probably is the guy with the best chance for me at the moment. Zverev just looked like he was getting picked apart by Sitsipas. Um, And then Medvedev, obviously not. Rafa, yeah. I mean, Rafa, but that, that actually is a, it's a pretty good matchup for um, Sitsipas. He doesn't really get battered on the one hand or um, yeah. just because he, he covers it so well. And his forehand's, you know, pretty, uh, obviously not quite as good as Nadal's, but honestly. It's like, as close as anyone's at this point. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's totally it's as close as anybody's on clay for sure to Rafa's. And he's got a better serve. Um, yeah. So, it, 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 I mean, it came down to, to one point literally last time. Um, yeah, I, I put Sinner over um, over Nadal if he can play as well as I know he can play, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, like now we're like, who the hell's going to beat Sissipas? But um, right. 
he's probably going to lose in the first round of I know, the Jets, and so. I mean, <laughs> tennis changes so much tournament to tournament because it's like, you know, the Suntime double, everyone was beyond drunk on Alcaraz hype, and then Monte Carlo starts, and he's out immediately, and you focus on other players, and then by the end of the tournament, it's like, oh yeah, Alcaraz, he's a thing. Like, he's going to be back. Um, it changes so quickly. I know everybody was genuinely on the center hype as well as he as he progressed through the rounds and he, he beat Rublev. Everybody again was like, "Oh, it's definitely gonna be center. He's got the most slams now for sure." That guy, he's old news, definitely. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. just funny. To, it's funny to see. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. You always need to do a little zoom out every time you do these predictions and just uh, yeah. realize that tennis is an ever changing landscape. Right. I mean, but it, it is so tough to kind of resist what your eyes are telling you though because when last year when Djokovic lost to Dan Evans in straight sets at Monte Carlo who oh. at that moment was thinking him to win <laughs> the French Open uh, and then yeah very good point very good point I totally forgot that actually yeah yeah yes. I mean yeah so so going on history Djokovic is probably going to be fine you're quite right yeah, people wrote yeah. articles saying like dirt ball Dan is a thing. Like he's he's so good on clay. It's just like I can't believe that's the that's... universe we're living in. Um, but stuff like this happens every week in tennis, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's not uh, that take hasn't lived up very well. I don't think. Pretty no. sure Dan Dan won like two more matches after that on clay or something like that. Yeah. Who, who do you even lose to at Monte Carlo? I think he was slated to play Djokovic again. Actually, what was he against? ADF, no, he wasn't against ADF, was he? Um, That's he, um, he, he was against Gofan, lost to Gofan. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So he, um, it was going to be Gofan against um, Djokovic, wasn't it, or him, basically. Uh, right. Yeah, I actually did see that match um, as well. Obviously, we're going off track here, we're wrapping up, but yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, I'll, I'll see very quickly. Um, Dan still does look alright actually on clay but I mean obviously you know what I mean like he's a top player he probably isn't going to win many more matches though um, Gofan was, was really good in that match but he just uh, yeah he kind of outpicks players more so than he does on other surfaces on clay if that makes sense like he totally beat Djokovic just by like playing slicing <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um, yeah, yeah. It, it has been nice to see Gofan having some good results recently though because he I mean, he's had terrible luck throughout his career. Uh, mm-hmm. Really bad record against the top players. Had a great year in 2017, but then kind of had a tough time building off of that. So it's nice just to see him getting wins again because he's yeah he he works. You can tell. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, kind of similar vibes to to how Monfils has been playing this year. Oh, I, for I get, sure. Uh, so like you know, I just like I, I get pleasure just seeing them win matches full stop. Like it's yeah. a nice feeling. Definitely. Yeah, Monfils almost, I mean, it was really gratifying to watch him at the Australian Open, but it also kind of broke my heart a little bit because you knew even even in the quarters, he he wasn't going to win that tournament. And then after he lost to Berrettini, he seemed really sad and he said he still wanted to get a major. I was like, I, I really want that for you, man, but I, I just don't see it, so... It's not happening. Yeah. He wasn't at Monte Carlo, was he? What happened to him? No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll see the last match you played. Google is is pretty wonderful. Yeah, I just tried it. Uh, I suppose it's because he hasn't just played a tournament. It's not coming up. But Yeah, here, I'll, I'll pull up his ATP profile. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 21st in the world right now, which is very solid. 21st, is he? Why? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I suppose a lot of that will be in Australia, maybe. Maybe that's quite harsh. I don't know. Um, yeah, 
Sorry, I do that quite a lot. I get sidetracked. Um, you were wrapping up the pause, weren't you? No, no, it's all good. Um, I mean, you know, there's no time limits here. Oh, no, so, true. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, we've 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 covered pretty much all of that. I, I don't think I've got anything else to say. Um, yeah, that was kind of it. I've covered who I think is going to be doing well going forward, who did so well at this tournament and stuff. Yeah, I think the only other thing I missed out was that Casper Ruud is still playing hardcourt tennis on a clay court, which is ironic. Um, he he honestly looked so confused against Dimitrov. Like he was like, really? why isn't? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, why... I missed that match. Like he couldn't use his backhand to get up in the point. Like serve plus uh, forehand just wasn't doing the same damage. I thought he wasn't getting any three points off his serve, obviously. And then kind of looked a bit confused in the serve plus forehand and stuff. He played a really bad match actually um, for how well he can play. So it'll be interesting to see if he picks himself up after this tournament. Um, yeah, looks like he he could only break serve once. Um, tomorrow he's playing Nakashima in the first round of Barcelona. Um, so that'll be that'll a test. Be yeah, at the same time, um, uh, you know, Nakashima also, but definitely not the best clay court in the world um, yeah. at the moment, for sure. So Rude, it should be a nice he should way win to, that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it should be a nice way to settle. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, like, just to ask about that really quickly, like, how do you think Rude is going to do this clay season? Because he's, he's done some good things. He's gone deep in a lot of Masters 1000s. He's never done that well at Roland Garros yet. Um, and he's mm-hmm. kind of top player, but not elite player quite yet um so i was wondering how how far do you think he can go this year based off what he just did at monte carlo um i'm not expecting too much of him this week just you know if i'm if i'm just you know expecting the transition from hard coach to clay to still be as jarring as, as it was for him in monte carlo but you know yeah i could see him doing really well at a master's tournament i don't know if the slam issues are mental or maybe it's just sustaining a level over a certain period of time possibly that he struggles with um because i mean he he was so up and down against adf last year at the french open and you know, really not a match he should have been losing given ADF's form at the time. He was playing pretty well, obviously, but Kasparud was the better player at that point for sure. Um I don't know. I don't know. I I I actually also I kind of whose take was it from popcorn tennis game? Was it Steve Stevens? Or? Steve, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 250 farmer or future star. That's one of my favorite headlines on the site. <laughs> I wouldn't quite uh, go as far as that for sure, but I do kind of think he um he's not the sort of player that beats players ranked above him at the moment yeah no i i, I would agree with that um yeah I, I feel like i see him making the quarterfinals at roland garros not yeah probably not yeah, going yeah. farther than that unless he gets a nice draw exactly yeah that's when you play a, a higher seat than him yeah it's probably where he'll go out like he played he played really well against Zverev it's really weird actually because i actually think his hardcore game's amazing now, and i actually I, I i would stand by that like i yeah. i I suppose I haven't seen him play on clay for ages. Maybe that's yeah. I'd when I did watch him on clay, he was rubbish. So I, I maybe that's what's putting me off backing him. To be fair, so we'll see. You'll yeah. probably play really well. Uh, Sod's law. I think yeah. I said it. I, yeah. I think he should have at least one good tournament. But yeah, I do think the the clay specialist thing. I mean, and I even me with TT Foss earlier this episode can kind of get overused. Like I think people use it for team for a while, and he turned out to be amazing on hard courts. I don't know if he's going to get back to that level, but he did some absurdly good things on hard courts. Um, and, you know, Rude almost winning a Masters 1000. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I made that comp- 
Paris and I, I, I think at the time, like to him and team. I definitely think um, the, the improvements he had to make in hardcourt have made him a really good player overall, a better player. Um, but some of those improvements are moot on clay. So it's like, where does he, right. what does he do now? Like, you know, he's kind of going to have to go back to square one and um, totally reassess how he plays tennis. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, I think that goes back to what you said earlier about Monte Carlo being a huge switch from Miami as well. Um like yeah. I think for a lot of top players, you can kind of discount how they do there just because the clay season is so long. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm basing on anything that's happened, I think give him a while. But yeah, you could do, I think, quarters at French Open, but that might be the only success he has in the clay season, and I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, gotcha. Well, that, that's, a, that's a big take, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting. Just I would I mean, be surprised. I would be surprised. Just put a bit of, I'll put that in there. But yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, it's funny just because I do think the tennis world in general still sees him as a clay guy, maybe because that Nick Kyrgios Twitter beef just amplified it <laughs> so much, yeah. but because um, that's what people think about when they think Casper Ruud. Um, yeah. But that, that that's an interesting take. I think I'm a bit more optimistic about him than you are, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, we'll have we'll have this saved for the end of the class. Oh no, yeah, so. oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody actually, when I had that really hot take of his, where um, bookmarked the the tweet and stuff, he said, "Oh, bookmarked," and he's gonna probably shove it in my face when Zverev eventually wins a major. But love it. Obviously, like, as soon as you put that out there, you're just like you're hung up to dry as soon as it goes wrong. Yeah. You get you get no praise when it's right as well. It's like I know, yeah, <laughs> it's people, a lose lose situation. And sometimes people will try to prove you wrong but about a different point than the one you were trying to make. And it's like, well, well, I didn't really say that if you go back and look, but you know, we, we love Twitter for, for it's good and it's bad. Yeah, exactly. For, for better or worse, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I'll stand by that, but I will back myself up by saying it's based on how he played at Monte Carlo. People, please don't fry me when he wins the Rome masters or wherever. But... Right. Rome. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to come up with a good hot take for the clay season, but I, I just think on the, men's side it's so i don't want to say predictable it's just so hard to pick a dark horse to do anything on clay because yeah like the people at the top are so good um mm-hmm. i don't know i guess but it's it's, I, it's it's where you should get the most upsets though to be fair it is yeah um i i guess i'll say i think team is gonna find his form faster than some people think like i could see him causing a stir at one of the big tournaments going forward mm-hmm. how about uh her catch Oof. We didn't t- we didn't cover her catch actually. We didn't know, and he who did he lose to? Dimitrov in the quarters. Okay, and that was three sets, right? Yeah, it was a uh, third set tiebreak. Right, I, I don't think that's a bad loss at all. Um, especially it's not because... it's not at all. No, not yeah. at all. That, that, that's um, he, he won like did he win any matches on clay last year? He might have won one or something. Um, none of them were memorable. At least if he did, um, yeah, I, I I feel like he's set to make some improvements i could see him going to the huh. the fourth round at roland garros maybe yeah even that's a pretty hard take to be honest because yeah. yeah given these but obviously he's amazing at monte carlo considering he should be really bad on clay but he just right i mean he just has nothing to hit through the court with after the serve yeah yeah but the, i mean the serve is big that's pretty much yeah. it the serve is big enough um which is a surprise because even like players like zverev were struggling to hit through the court with their serve yeah. so well her the, also uses the net so well uh and that helps yeah yeah, definitely. But like, honestly, like he might be like right up there, top three servers in the world right now. Genuinely, like he, yeah, he, he serves so well. Like that, that he honestly shouldn't be winning matches at Monte Carlo. 
like based on everything I've just said throughout this podcast. Yeah. But like <laughs> he did, he, he did so well. He genuinely did. Yeah, I mean, he's a. I think he's one of the more fascinating players on tour in terms of his game because the serve is massive, but very little else is, and and he's very solid. Like he's he's almost like a Medvedev, but not quite. And so he'll have these amazing runs. I mean, the match he played against Djokovic in Paris last year, I thought was great. Like he was, he saved a match point and he was two points away from winning that match. But then he can also have some really sleepy losses when someone just kind of out hits him and gets the serve mm-hmm. back. Um, yeah. I, I could see him winning a Wimbledon one day. I don't, I don't know yeah. if I would ever bet on it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he obviously same as last year. He was amazing and way better than anybody bar Berrettini of the next gen, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I I've can... talked about this before, but I think one of the the less exciting things to come out of the next few years will be um, the ATP <laughs> side at Wimbledon. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, yeah, of course. When, <laughs> when, when Djokovic retires, the level is going to fall off a cliff. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's one clear way that the the next gen are going to be winning matches at Wimbledon, and it's not uh, you know fifty shot rallies between Djokovic and Rafa. Ida, no. I don't think, unfortunately. Um, yeah, right. I guess uh, we can all hope that Alcaraz becomes uh, a god on the grass courts. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Could happen. You know, he's got weapons in there for yeah. sure. I wouldn't put it that- past him. That's one of the most exciting things for me to see how well he plays on grass because he yeah. has it, like he again he'll have to totally scrub the, the slate clean from the clay season and come up with a, a new set of um, tactics and, and strategies to, to beat people. But it'll be really exciting to see what he uses and what he tries to to get into play the most uh, on grass because obviously he's got so much to pick from. So. Yeah, I mean, and grass is even shorter than clay. So if anyone decides to, you know pull a Medvedev and lose in the first round of everything like you it's not like you got four matches you get two matches or yeah. or one if you don't play a warm-up and then it's like yep it's a year before you get to play on this surface again, <laughs> unless you play Newport um like, so yeah I mean gra- grass is so interesting now just because it's it's so abbreviated and so many top players skip the warm-up but then they lose early at Wimbledon it's almost yeah. as if it didn't happen just because it goes by so quickly <laughs> Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, Alcaraz probably hasn't. He might not have played out in grass in his life. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he actually played Medvedev at Wimbledon last year, I think. And um, I, I think he lost in straights. Oh, he must have got a little bit into the draw then. I forgot that. He, I think he went through qualifying. Did he? All right. Oh, he's probably brilliant then. Yeah, obviously. So uh, Alcaraz, isn't it? Let me. I'm just checking now. He beat. Uh, uh, he beat Uchiyama from Japan. Oh, five, maybe six. he didn't need to go through qualifying. Yeah. No, I think um, I think I think he did. Did you know? I might be wrong about that, but um, I'll double yeah. check. Yeah, but I he. Intrigued. I mean, he broke Medvedev twice, which is. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably do better now, but not not bad for an eighteen-year-old. <laughs> not bad at all. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't. I can't see. It. I am. I do want to find out now. Just give me two seconds. Oh, wait, look look at this, actually. He has a quote from after that first rounder last year. I am really happy to reach the second round here at my first Wimbledon. It was a really tough match. I really like grass. I feel comfortable playing here. I could not play any tournaments on grass before Wimbledon, but every day I feel more comfortable. Ah, okay. There you go. Striking striking (laughs) fear into the hearts of any ATP players listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll be interested to see where the bookies put him. Um, Definitely for Wimbledon. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> could be like fourth favorite at this point just because yeah. of the, the field. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that too. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, we've, uh, we've definitely yes. went into... Some... <laughs> we've, we've gone from, from clay to grass, so it's time oh, to... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, literally since the past one in Monte Carlo to Carlos Alcaraz's chances, oh, chances at Wimbledon, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, tennis is such a fascinating sport. Um, but yeah, thanks for... Thanks for joining me for this. It was it was a great recap, and you you mentioned a lot of stats that I hadn't known of. So um, yeah, this was great. Thanks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 